Welcome to episode 146 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. There is a dark cloud hanging above all our heads at the moment as we are reporting on the COVID-19 coronavirus crisis. Just this week on Monday, that's three days ago, uh, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of Scotland, the Prime Minister of Scotland, that is true, but of Prime the whole of the UK. UK. <laughs> uh, the Prime Minister of the UK put us on lockdown. Come on, Dan, rather. I don't know what happened. Joining me today, your illustrious co-host, Tom Laird. Thanks for rejoining us on the Scottish Liberty podcast. Um, Good to be back. So, let's have your hot take first. What's going on? We haven't really discussed this privately, which is good no. because I think that means we're yeah. going to hash it out. We're going to do it live and uh, you'll get all of our angles. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's been a weird time. Obviously, this is unprecedented uh, in terms of the UK. Uh, I've never experienced anything like this in my lifetime um, in the UK. In, in Africa, growing up, um, Zambia was a frontline state. It was at war with Rhodesia, uh, um, on paper at least. But they were they, they existed as on a state of war with each other, and Zambia was harboring um, patriotic front guerrillas. So the situation there, when I was growing up, was that. There was few food shortages. We had to queue up for things. Luxury items, luxury goods were in short supply. Um, and that could include things like you would take for granted, like apples, cheese, you know, uh, foodstuffs. Um, and there was curfews. But even then, sort of living in a frontline state, it wasn't anything like this. To be told, that you know you're basically in lockdown. You have to stay in your house. Um, police are going to be given powers to, you know, order people to go home. What the implications of that are, we don't know. In terms of, are they going to be able to arrest people for being out of the house without permission? If they are, you're going to go to jail. How is that going to work exactly? Putting people in jail where they're at risk to each other and to the police and to everybody else. I don't know how they would enforce that, but anyway, I'm sure they'll have a go at it. So it's all very strange. People are going nuts, panic buying. I was at the supermarket yesterday and they instituted a queuing system outside the shop where everybody's got a little marker to stand at and you're two meters apart from each other before, and it's one in the shop, one out the shop. That's a fairly sizable supermarket. So this is all new, all very strange. Uh, and if in, we're all Venezuela now, apart from the, the extreme food, food shortages. This is what socialism looks like. This is what a command state looks like, uh, at least in its early stages. And this is what an, a command economy might eventually look like if the government starts stepping in and saying, well, there's going to be a minimum price for this, a minimum price for that. I don't see why they wouldn't do that because at the end of the day, they're telling people they can't work. Yeah. Uh, then I'm guessing that that's a logical sort of follow-up. But we don't know. Now, the bottom well, line here is... Okay, sorry. Continue. No, 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 no. please go on. I'm, I'm enjoying your analysis. I'll come in at the end. Okay. The bottom line here is... I am not an expert. I have no medical training. I have no, uh, I'm not an authority on medical procedures. I'm not a microbiologist. I'm not, you know, I'm not any of these things. I don't have any training. So I have to listen to what the autocrats, the so, uh, sorry, the technocrats, the so-called experts have to tell me on the matter. Now, as we all know, experts get it wrong. Constantly, they get some things right and they get some things wrong. Now, when the, when the crisis started properly in the UK, I thought Boris Johnson's stance initially was the correct one. 
and the brave one, i.e. didn't panic, he refused to panic, he said, let's take, let's not, you know, rush into anything because we've got a whole load of mathematical models making projections. And then on the other hand, a virus that let's face it, we know very little about. Um, other than it does kill people, but my gathering is, what I gather from things is, it's not necessarily the virus itself that's killing people. People with the virus are dying, um, but I'm sure that people who have just had tattoos die, and I'm sure that people who just have dr drank a lot of beer die. You know, it may be coincidental that they die from other things, that they were, you know, they were very old, so they were going to die. They had underlying health conditions, so they were going to die. I'm not saying it's not a threat. I'm not saying it's not serious. But I thought his original approach to not panicking and let's, you know, let's play this by ear and uh, and listen to differing experts and not overreact. Then suddenly the death rate climbed a bit, and he seemed to blink. You know, he done a Thatcher. You know, suddenly. He got a lot of opposition, um, and some of his own supporters, some of his own backbench MPs, were saying, "Oh, you, you know, something that you know, the something must be done." Brigade. Exactly. Uh, I remember yeah, that, and uh, and that's that's prevailed. And on Monday, there was some uh, emergency measures put through Parliament. And this lockdown has begun. And he said, if this doesn't work, if people don't pay attention to the rulings, uh, there could be more severe uh, consequences, curfews, um, maybe even who knows martial law. I wouldn't I rule it really out. I really hope that won't happen. Yeah, uh, me too. Um, because it's, uh, I don't even think during the war we had martial law. We might have been close to it, but we never actually had. There, there may have been in certain instances where martial law was declared, but it's a rare thing in the UK. So I think that would be a bad day. It's all very well putting in these emergency measures. Let's not forget that taxation, income tax in the UK, was and still is an emergency measure. Right. Uh, you know, it was brought in during the Napoleonic War as an emergency measure. And every year, Parliament has a vote to give it another year, give taxation, income tax, another year of its worthless existence as an emergency measure. It's one of the longest going emergency measures ever. So it's all very well putting these emergency measures in, right. but will they be so damn smart at taking them back off when the crisis goes away? Who decides? when the crisis is gone. Um, this is the issue, and this is what worries me. Yes. I don't have a clear answer, but I am concerned. It has massive implications for liberty, and we haven't even started talking about the economy yet, but I'll leave that yeah. to you, Anthony. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll discuss it together, but you've touched on so many points I can dovetail with. One, it's shown the willingness of people to give up yeah. their freedom. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Katrina, a member of our party, posted on our Scottish Libertarians page, I didn't really agree with her at first, but she said, you're no less free now than you were two weeks ago. And I was like, I'm not really sure that's true. You know, I can't go down to my local. But her point was the government always had the ability to just say, right, that's yeah. it. You can't do anything. And now they've done it. Mm -hmm. It's just become apparent how unfree you are. This one, it sets a precedent that the government can come in and shut everything down if they want to, which is, I think, something yeah. that, you know, we may have had a suspicion of. But yeah. now it's uh, enacted. The other point you touch upon is the fact that when liberties are taken away for a crisis, they're very seldom given back. Uh, I yeah. heard a libertarian podcaster, can't remember who it was now, because um, I, I was listening to a few shows in the run-up to this, say something like, uh, oh, they're going to get ideas. Now that we've, you know, the Fed's 
pumping one trillion dollars in and another trillion to buy up bad debts and they're maybe going to bail yeah. out Boeing this and the other they're going to go oh uh, that's going to give people ideas that the government can do more in non-crisis time and literally in the taxi over here I was taking a taxi, not the bus, because, you know, yeah. my parents are of the kind of age where they could get this and very more and worried about it. And, um, you know, someone on the radio, uh, I thought this was just a libertarian thinking uh, that, but actually someone on the radio was making that as a point. Oh, now that they're, uh, as they are in the UK here, the government's come up with another package saying for self-employed people, they're going to... Uh, they're going to they're going to give them handouts. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd rather the government was giving handouts to people than to corporations. But yeah, th that's not really a point. And um, he was saying this might give us faith that we can uh, do other things like solve homelessness and this and that. And he was actually making exactly the point that the libertarian podcaster anticipated. As to the thing yeah. about Boris blinking, as you put it, you'll have to explain that he pulled a Thatcher for those who don't get the reference. But I think one thing to point out yeah. here is that government in situations like this are liable to be extremely risk averse because whatever happens, mm. they will get blamed for it. So it's one of yeah. these things where it might not be the ideal thing to shut down all the schools, for example. I don't know. I don't know. But they're likely to do it because if there was one incident in one school where one child got it and some people died because of that, then they would be in the firing line. Now, there's other people yeah. who are saying, uh, you know, Bob Murphy was saying, it could be that the government really wasn't risk averse. Uh, maybe... Uh, actually, maybe they're downplaying it. I think Stefan Molyneux, mm. I've not been paying attention to his show, but he thinks the fact the government's, if anything, they're downplaying it. Bob Murphy was saying, well, they gave people wrong advice. They told people, oh, uh, a mask isn't going to help you. And later on, it came out that a mask would help you, but they didn't want to say that because they didn't want everyone going and buying masks, which the hospitals really needed. Um, Right. So, so he was holding this up as evidence as maybe they're downplaying it. I'm kind of tending towards they're likely to be risk averse. I'm not saying that they are overplaying it. I'm just saying that the incentives are such that it doesn't stand. They, they stand a lot to gain in terms of their own importance and their power. And you should see these people coming out trying to score political points on this. Yeah. I mean, this is not a time to be leveraging the crisis to make political points against your enemies. This is time to do something yeah. useful, whoever you are, in whatever way you can, you know, do something useful, do something useful. Uh, later on, yeah. when it comes to election time, you can come back and say, well, the government really didn't uh, handle that crisis well. That's fine. But at the moment, you know, you've, uh, everyone, whether you're a politician, public servant, I hate that word, etc. Anyway, I'm not saying that they're overplaying it. What, uh, politician I'm, or public servant? Uh, uh, whoever you are, whether you're working for the government or you're in the private sector or you're just at home in your room. Like, I'm arranging Skypes with people in my network that uh, might want a free complimentary coaching or therapy session. Uh, on Facebook and that because you know I can't do the things I usually do I can't go out to woodwork mm. I can't go to my dancing class I am um, so I've got some extra time yeah I know yeah I took up but Lindy Hop and salsa. That <laughs> you know that's funny it's pretty funny it's this is funny. A, this is a, this is where we are we're in a society where people can't even salsa <laughs> right uh, so <laughs> I don't so even those think are... Castro stopped people from salsa yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, so th those are some of my thoughts on the um, the power grab. I mean, this is a dictator's yeah. wet, wet dream. I'm not saying that these guys are coming in their pants, but if you were that way inclined, you would be. And um, so that those are we've not yeah. talked. Yeah, so come back on any of that. Okay. Well, first of all, just on the the Boris blinking thing, uh, the Thatcher connection. Uh, 
Margaret Thatcher, when she came into power as Prime Minister, set about implementing very um, radical um, economic reforms. Uh, she, you know, she was very much of the the main. You know, she was very influenced by Milton Friedman, and she was very much of a mind that you know anything that is state owned, basically sell it. Uh, if you can't sell it, break it up into little bits and sell it off piece by piece. And if you can't do that, give it away, but get rid of it because uh, it's just um, a money pit and get it all out to the private sector. And she set about to do some really radical reforms. And she got a certain amount of the way, and then starting with some of her backbenchers and those in the, what you call the Tory wets, you know, those on the left of the party, really started to flap about losing their seats at the next general election. Because let's face it, you've only got four or five years to, to, to do this stuff. And, you know, it takes maybe a year just to sort the civil service out and get people all on the same hymn sheet and get things done. And the campaign's about to start for the next general election and all these Tories who are in sort of, you know, wobbly seats, you know, they're not, they don't have a secure majority. They're all starting to panic about their jobs and go, well, come on, look, you know, this is all going a bit too far. We're all for a, you know, capitalist system and a free market but you know you, you, you're going about what you know privatizing the railways and the phone companies here you know this is just way too far uh, we're going to lose the next election and um, she blanked you know she, she put the brakes on and instead of completely going full Rothbard uh, she reined it in and done this kind of halfway house where you get public-private partnerships and as you've often remarked, Anthony, that's the worst of both worlds. Um, so, she, so she blanked. She didn't go ahead fully with all the reforms that she wanted to do because, because of the uprising within her own party. Uh, that's not, that's never mind the opposition party. Uh, and I think Boris was kind of doing that same thing. He was like, okay, this, that, this seems to be the sensible thing to do seems to be sensible not to panic and uh, I mean he doesn't strike me as a flapper or a panicker but there's probably a lot of people in his own party who are panickers and flappers and something must be done you know uh, and scared that they might look like a weak government and as you've quite rightly pointed out it doesn't matter what you do you're gonna be wrong in a situation like yes. this because whatever whatever goes wrong uh, it's going to be blamed on you. You either did too much or you didn't do enough. You know, so damned if you do, damned if you don't. But that's what strong leadership's kind of about. It's about not blanking. It's about, it's about explaining to people, you know, look, here's what's going to happen. Here's what it's going to be like. But let's not panic. We lose a lot of people every year just to flu. You know, um, we, and we, uh, that's something that we, we don't have a cure for, you know, we have a, uh, an injection, you, know, you have a vaccine that you can get to, to help prevent it, but it's not a, you know, it doesn't, it's not a hundred percent. So we lose a lot of people to flu, we, we lose a lot of people to drug overdoses, we lose, um, you know, we, the people die. Yeah. And we have to be careful. We, we, we've had a lot of scares before, there was the SARS scare, Well, two, three. An underplay. Sorry, because you're going to have to come back can... again. Sorry, start that again. We've had the SARS scare go on. Yeah, with the SARS, we had swine flu, and we had uh, a couple of these these things yeah. uh, that, that, that yeah, came about. Them. Yeah. And a bird flu. It was bird flu as well. Uh, they went through the whole gamut. I think it was monkey yeah. flu next, or probably the next thing. Um, and they never pan out to be as, as bad or anywhere near as bad as projected. And I think government tend to overplay because that yeah. way 
you know, if you overplay something and it doesn't end out as bad as, as it was, then you're, 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 you're quids in, you're clear. Yeah. If you underplay it and it turns out worse, yeah. then, then yeah. you're in trouble, you know? So in terms of... So, what, um, so in terms of what might happen, you said strong leadership to be go out and get real with people and level with people. Yeah. Uh, there was yeah. an article doing the rounds in Haaretz where they spoke to an engineer who'd done some models on this or whatever. And he basically said, look, here's the reality, somber as it is, about 50% of people are going to get it. And 0.5% of those people are going to die. So the only thing that the quarantining and keeping people at home can do is slow this down. And that might, there might be some merit to that because obviously yeah. the hospital beds are uh, not going to be overwhelmed so quickly. But I just want to put a pin yeah. in that actually. Um, another point on this is what makes this as unique is that it can incubate in someone for a couple of weeks without them showing symptoms. Oh, we've all heard that right. for most people, this is just going to be a sniffle. If anything, if you've got a really good immune system, you might not show any symptoms at all. So yeah. uh, most people will fight it off. But say with something like Ebola, right, that is really, really deadly. But Mm -hmm. When you get it, it's deadly quickly, which limits someone yeah. who gets it from passing it on to many people. Sure. What makes this more a silent killer? It kills less people, far less people, but people can incubate it for a long time without showing symptoms, which gives a, right. a longer time for it to spread compared to other things. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't take appropriate precautions. Of course they should. But here's the thing. When we say that, say, and by the way, that's just that 0.5% of the people who get it are going to die. That's just one figure. It's estimated anywhere between 0.1 and 0.6. So it could be lower than that. It could be a little bit higher than that. Right. Um, but what... When we're talking about the action that the government has taken, there's been no talk whatsoever of a cost-benefit analysis here. And the cost yeah. of shutting down the economy for an indefinite amount of time, one, two, mm -hmm. three months, nobody knows. I'm worried yeah. that the economic consequences of this are going to kill more people than the virus says. And people go, oh. That's a distinct possibility. Yeah, there are people who go, oh, you're just putting the economy amongst human lives. The economy is... No, no, the economy is human lives. But people, a lot of people really don't understand that. So if you yeah. make people poor, if you impoverish people, you know, yeah. some of those people are going to die or they're not going to have the amount of money, that the disposable income to buy the things that give them the quality of life that would make them long-lived. You know, they're going to have to forego, yeah. forego better quality food. They're going to have to forego their gym membership or uh, whatever it is. People are going to be stuck at home in the house, breathing air that isn't very fresh, drinking alcohol more, which is known to be an immune system suppressant. People are going to get lonely. There's all sorts of consequences that are not being weighed up in the balance next to the potential benefits of shutting everything yeah. down. Uh, can you speak to that at all? Well, I'm not, um, I'm not an economist like yourself, but it seems to me perfectly reasonable to assume that if people aren't, like, I mean, for example, people who are self-employed, if they're not going to work, they're not earning. And it's fine for the government to say things at the moment, like, uh, don't worry, we're going to bail, bail out everybody, right? Um, never mind the banks, we're going to bail out, I think at the last count, we're going to bail out the oil companies, we're going to bail out the airline companies, uh, then they're going to bail out uh, supermarkets, large businesses like that. Then they're going to bail out I mean, the mum and dad companies. Why should they lose out? I mean, right down to the individual. You know, you're talk, yeah. talking about something like 80% of the, of the costs. Yeah, the you know, government has said... That's, that's a massive amount of money. Where is it coming it's from? It's a valid question. Where is it coming from? 
people seem who's left to do the bailing out no one's asking this actually in the media no. so far as i say they're all Not in the media there's a few yeah yeah i mean in the media everyone's just going well it's a crisis so you can bail people out you know first of all there is no reason to bail out the big corporations because it doesn't make a difference to you or i if the supermarkets have to sell off their assets to other companies who'll take them over and think they can run them better i mean the way that our society has been the well, way surely, hang on a second though surely if a bank's too big to fail then yeah why wouldn't a, a massive supermarket yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I don't believe that the banks are too big to fail. I think, no, no. I think any of these big companies that go bankrupt, it doesn't matter to you or I if Boeing has to sell off their planes to another company that can then operate yeah. those planes in, instead of them. So let the the way that the economy has been with the low interest rates for God knows how long and the money printing has created a situation where all of the companies are over leveraged. They've got way, 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 way more debt because debt is cheap. So why wouldn't you take over more debt when debt's cheap? Now, if the interest rates would, were high, people would be saving more. So these companies, you know, people always tell you, oh, you should always have two or three months income in the bank, you know? Yeah. Well, people would yeah. if it was worth their time to save. But it's not worth yeah. people's time to save because, well, because of the Bank of England and the Fed and all the central banks are always incentivized to make borrowing easy to stimulate the economy. And um, now, well, what are we talking about at the moment? Is the the, the the interest rates what 0.1 percent or something? Yeah, I don't know if they even I mean, went to. Yeah, I don't know if they even went to see. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about it could actually end up with negative interest. It they could. might actually be paying you shortly to take debt. That's and yeah. that, that's that's insane. I mean, normally when you go into a, a bear market, you know, one of the one of the the characteristics of that bear market is everybody tightens their belts, yeah. and usually interest rates would go up. But we're in a bear market, and interest rates haven't gone up, and at the same time, you know, the, the stock market crash, although it's rallied, I know that the Dow Jones rallied and it's been the, the, the highest climbs, went up 11 points, I think, yesterday. But that normally ha that happens every time, nearly every time that's happened, it's always been in the middle of a bear market. It doesn't mean the bear market's over. But they're not, they're not adjusting interest rates. And it just seems entirely bizarre. And you've pointed out quite rightly, you know, these big companies are in trouble a lot of them because they're leveraged up and they don't have they haven't get they haven't saved any money for a rainy day and this is why they they think they require bailouts but they shouldn't get a penny you know uh, it, i think you said earlier you know if anybody should get bailouts yet yeah, it, it should be the people at the bottom of the of the pile but even then who's it comes down to who's eventually doing the bailing out yeah yeah You've got yes. one person working, you know, it, it, it will come down to key workers. The people who are out there right now working their ass off, hospital workers, delivery drivers, truckers, um, you know, uh, stevedores, you know, these people work at, you know, dockers, everybody who's a key worker, they're all probably putting in extra shifts right now. Sure. And they're the people who are going to have to pay. For everybody else taking, you know, six weeks off their work. Do and you go on? Yeah, no, do you on. do you think this is like basically asking everyone to sacrifice their lives so that this is quite a radical position, you know. We know that most right. of the people who die are sixty-five and over. You're, even if you're in your 80s, I, I hear that your chance of dying is 12% from the virus, maybe right. 15, but that doesn't mean that you won't have adverse effects even if you survive it. So it's going to be bad for your way, um, your quality of life. But the body really right. tends to start deteriorating badly at 85 and people are on the way out. 
and it's like mm. everyone's I'm I'm not saying this but I've I've heard it floated out tentatively and I float it out tentatively as a as a view it's like well do you know what we should just get on with it and live our lives and you know not go and visit our parents unless they really need help we need to make our own obviously decisions about that you can you can make the choice not to go out and intermingle with people if your parents really need help. If they don't need help, then let them isolate themselves and have Skype meetings with them and, and what have you. Yeah. But, every, but regular people who are young and fit should not be asked to, you know, to use the Randian term, altruistically um, sacrifice themselves to this, um, you know, to, when they're not really at risk of, of harm from the virus. Do you think that's a callous view? It may, it may, uh, it may come across uh, as such. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't see why younger people, I mean, just a word on schools, because I was going to mention it earlier. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest if every school, well, every school has shut down, but apart for key workers' children who are, who are going to school, um, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest if not one single state school ever opened up again. Yeah, neither. I think me. it would be a great day for it humanity. Would be a good thing. Yeah, schools do um, more good. Yeah, I just think schools do more harm than good. That's a controversial opinion, but there you go. I I, I, I fully believe it. I really, really do. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I know when I think of how much I've learned since I left school, I feel like most of what yeah. I learned that was useful, I started learning when I left school. So I was doing yeah. that at the expense of everything else. I think anybody who was, who's honest would say that that's the case. So, but here's the thing, right? Is this going to make people realize that a lot of people realize that A, the kids can learn from home, and B, yeah. um, that a lot of people who thought they needed to go to work actually don't need to go to work and can work from home. Will businesses be saying, yeah. do you know what guys, why don't you just continue working from home? Cause I don't see any point in us um, renting an office for 60 people when actually we could get by on an office for 20 people, 20 people will come in the, you know, is this, is this going to increase innovation in terms of people staying home potentially? I have no doubt that it will. I mean, the downside for some people is, um, I mean, it's, it's all down to individual capabilities. I mean, I don't work from home very well. Um, right. Or that's been my past experience. You know, uh, let's take, for example, when I was in sales. If I went into work and I sat down in front of the telephone and made some sales calls or whatever, and there'd be another guy opposite me and we'd get into a competition about see who, see who could make as, the sale, as many sales calls and see who could get the first uh, deal or see who could get the first uh, appointment of the day. I couldn't do that at home. I would yeah. find too many other things to do yeah. that were far more interested in making those sales calls. So it's a discipline and not yeah. everybody has that discipline. So. It's, it, it, working from home is not an option for everybody, but I think, yeah, it, it, no, who, as, a, as somebody who owns a company, what do you care about that? If you can't work from home, I'll just sack you then yeah. uh, and get somebody who can. Um, oh, that's bad news for you if, you've, if, if you if you can't do that. But I think it will bring in some innovation. I think people will realise uh the priorities in life, the things they really need, the things that they really don't. There'll be, there's all sorts of, I mean, look at, even within restaurants, for example, that have closed down, restaurants who would never have considered it before are now doing home deliveries. Amazing, yeah. So, yeah, you know, they, just, they, they just never did it before. Now they have to because the only way they can sell food is to do home deliveries. So, I, right. maybe when all this, uh, blows over if and when it does then maybe there's going to be a massive uh, surge in new businesses you know from people who've learned from this and know how to do things better than they were getting done before 
Well, you know, I, I'm, you know the... I'm confident in that. But there's going to there's going to be a lot of damage in the meantime. Yeah, and that's the problem. And I you think... know the you know the punctured equilibrium uh, theory, part of the theory of evolution, uh, that was edited afterwards, which said that. Uh, organisms don't seem to evolve in a uniform manner if you take the theory of revolution yep. it seems to be uh, a, there's an equilibrium then it's punctuated by crisis points uh, and yep. this this may be a crisis point that pushes a lot of evolution in terms of the the economy you know yeah di dinosaurs will unfortunately die um they will I'm not calling like anyone's grandmother or granddad a dinosaur, by the way. Oh, no, that's we're talking in terms of business here. I am. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you had another point there. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I, I just think, yeah, in terms of schools, maybe people see the, the value of, uh, you, know, you know, tutoring their kids at home. Spending and it more get time cheaper. with the family. It's spending more time for it. There's this look, there's a lot of upsides that could come out right. of this. Uh, and it's hard to tell people that when they're in the, when they're in when they're in the midst of it. Um, well, but it, it, it will. Well the thing it's is, just, you know, the only way to improve one's resilience is to be pushed to an edge. And we are so you uh, while we're talking about silver linings, we are so used to comfort. Uh, all the comforts mm. in the society. One of the reasons why maybe things didn't get like this in Africa when you lived there was people there were used to periodic famines and periodic mm. crises of one sort or another. So they didn't freak out about it. It was just part of life, you know? Yeah, what's new? Yeah. We are used to going down to the shop tesco's and getting a pineapple for 67 pence we yeah. don't even realize that for most of history a pineapple was a luxury item you know a king kept one on his mantelpiece because it was a thing of wonder that he had it you know uh, that's why you see some of these old buildings that have these dome shaped like a pineapple we complain yeah. when our socks get wet when we go out in the rain. Fine. But your ancestors did die on a battlefield soaking wet, no doubt. You know, you're, there's no, there was a time in human history where the most common cause of death was homicide. So all of your ancestors um, were used to hardship. And we are the most comfortable generation that has ever lived, but we're not the happiest generation that ever lived. And I think part of that is because human beings are anti-fragile. And when you take mm. away, I'm not saying that, you know, we should go back to living in huts, but I'm saying now that, when, now that we do have these comforts, there needs to be some kind of resilience training for people as well. Uh, you know, if we had the skills our kids deserved or whatever, I don't, you know, on a free market, that would take some form or another because people just don't know how to deal with not having their, yeah. with not having their comforts. So if I have one wish that will come out of this crisis, it's that people really, really appreciate the things that, they, that we all take for granted because we're so affluent and that, that makes yeah. them happier. Toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, I know it's funny. You know, it's a meme. Yeah, I, lo I love that meme that I saw, which was a picture of someone saying, uh, the doctor saying to someone, um, I'm very sorry, but you've di been diagnosed with coronavirus. And the person there going, but that can't be true. I bought 10 packets of toilet paper. You know, it it's funny, yeah. but, but it's the little thing. Toilet paper was originally a luxury. It was a luxury item. And we, we you know, we don't know that. We yeah. don't know that it was a luxury item. So I really hope uh, that there is a silver lining. Um, a little bit less stirring. More likely to be a brown lining, to be honest with you. <laughs> All right, that one passes. Another or thing. A, qu a quilted, quilted lining, maybe. Um, another thing is. So, what what some, do you think? Just, just quickly. Just quickly, come, come back to me. 
Uh, one of the thing, another thing is a lot of people you wouldn't expect are calling for deregulation now to get things moving. I heard a ridiculous story, which is that, you know, these cotton masks, because in America, you have to get a mask yeah. that the cotton's made in America. So the cotton mm -hmm. was being shipped to South America to be processed, sent back to North America to be made into yeah. a mask, right? So this yeah. is definitely a time to be embracing international free trade. This is not the time for China hatred, you know, open the open free trade, like let goods flow. America should be kissing China's feet. Not well, not right now because it might not be too. Well, hygienic. probably not. Yes, but that's the how the whole thing started. Yeah. But <laughs> but for making all this cheap shit to um to subsidize America's lifestyle. So sorry, you had a point there. So yeah, what what do you think of this notion? I mean, obviously, toilet paper has been a a rare commodity recently, and you know, people have been difficult. You know, you can't. You go into the supermarkets; the shelves are, are bare of certain things. Now, normally in a in a completely free market, the first thing that would happen is the price of those things would go up. Yes. Um, I mean, they haven't because obviously uh, the supermarkets would get pilloried for price yeah, gouging and taking advantage of a of a situation, but. It would have remedied the situation because it would have immediately sent a signal to the market that this thing was in demand. They would have charged more, made more, uh, and we wouldn't have the shortages that we see because there'd be a plentiful supply because the price would have got. And people, if, if toilet paper was £10 per roll, nobody would be filling their baskets with it That's it. anymore. That's it, and that would be more fair. And, you know, anyone who, for what, you know, I used to have a friend who would buy everything in bulk, right? So yeah. just to save a few pennies here, a few pennies there, uh, including he'd buy masses of toilet paper off the um, internet. So when a time yeah. like this came, anyone who had too much for whatever reason would be, oh, this is great, I can get 150 a roll. I'll just offload 10 yeah. of these, and there's my uh, 15 pounds or 30 of them. Um, you know, the, the, I, the guy who bought 1,700 hand sanitizers, okay, you can say, well, he's a douchebag for seeing it coming. But Bob Murphy made the point that if a 1,000 of people had done that, if thousands of people had seen it coming and had bought the sanitizers and then put them on eBay for a profit, then they'd all be in competition with each other and it would bring the price yeah. down. So you'd actually want more people to be anticipating the crisis and selling it on eBay so it can be rationed off to the highest bidder depending on where the need is the most. And I think that's yeah. the thing that people don't get about market circles. Exactly as you say, the supermarkets putting the price up would make sure that the first few people who got in early wouldn't take everything, but it's also a, a form of rationing. And I have actually heard, heard people call for rationing and i'm like how yeah. economically ignorant can you be do you really think that people are going to keep producing toilet paper and hand sanitizer unless it's at gunpoint when the government is telling them that they can't charge the market clearing rate from it it's a really great thing if the profit margin is there and it's high because anyone who can make toilet paper will make toilet paper as soon as possible to take advantage of those prices and uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a signal to do that. There was once an uh, incident in America where I think there was some hurricane or natural disaster and some people loaded their truck up with bottles of water and crossed the state lines to sell them off at a markup to victims and yeah, they, they sold them off, one here, one there, and they were pilloried for it, and the government came and confiscated the shit and shut them down. Well, you've just guaranteed that next time there's a crisis, those people won't go there. I mean, a too expensive hand sanitizer is better than no hand sanitizer yeah. at all. And it's a shame that people can't get this. Well, there was, you, you probably read about it yourself. And New York was a great example of this with hand sanitizer. Um, they decided it was too expensive and they, they, you know, it was a market failure. 
and the mayor of New York stepped in and suddenly the state, you know, the government uh, of New York decided that they were going to get into the hand sanitizer business and uh, they knocked out, they were bringing out hand sanitizer and look, here it is, state produced hand sanitizer and it's cheaper and more plentiful than the market could provide. And the first question you go is, well, well, if, if you could do that now, why weren't you always doing it? Right. If you're so good at making hand sanitizer and you can do it and you can do it cheaper, why weren't you always doing it? And why weren't you doing it with other stuff as well? And it turned out when they got to the bottom of it, the only reason that the state could produce them and, were, and could uh, sell them so cheaply is because they were using prisoners to do it, to, to make the stuff. Right. So they were right. getting it done cheaply. You know, where's your $10 minimum wage now? Right. You're getting right. prisoners to make this stuff for about 30 cents a day. I didn't so, know that it was labor intensive. The, the other thing of that is you just disincentivized any of the hand sanitizer companies from producing more when you're, when you're bringing a government yeah. subsidized product onto the market. Yeah. And, that, and why wouldn't that uh, entice people to buy loads and loads of the government product while it's so cheap and just sit on it? Yeah. <laughs> until, uh, until, you know, better times come and then they can, uh, you know, they, they can sell that off for a, for a better price. I don't know, it's, it's just the government tinkering in markets again and whatever they do, it's always a lot of unintended consequences that, that, that prevails. So... so but I, I, my, my point I was going to make is, it, it's unfortunate, I know you're saying there's a lot of people uh, you know, speaking up for markets and saying, you know, let's deregulate. There are just as many people yeah. who are saying, this is a huge market failure. That's and true. this is what we've needed all along, is for government yeah. to step in and have a command economy and, you know, and restrict the amount of bananas that we could buy. I could only buy three bananas the other day. Really? Um, That's shocking. Yeah. So, so let me ask you a question. Um, do you know anything about why South Korea's response, say, was so much better than some other countries? You know, there's some countries that seem to have responded yeah. better. Japan as well. Um, I don't know as the answer, as it is the, the, the honest answer. However, let me just, you know, postulate let me just get give a a, a a guess and this may may have no um um truth in it whatsoever other than my own idea but it could just be a cultural thing right those people south koreans japanese um they're kind of because i mean south korea was kind of heavily influenced japan they were invaded by japan at one point uh they have a kind of culture that's not as, I mean, they don't hug a lot. Right. They don't shake hands a lot. They're standoffish. Um, whereas you look at the opposite, you look at Italians. Yes, that's loud, a really great point. That is a really Exuberant. Very, very touchy. touchy. It's a possibility. I, yeah, I, I, I have no is. idea if there's any truth in it. But it could just be a cultural thing like that. Yeah, other answers on the and YouTube if anything, comments. I, I would like to. Uh, I would like to see if anything. Hopefully, this uh, this crisis will result in the death of the fucking huggy culture that we've had in this country. The feminised huggy culture that's prevailed. I, I hope it goes back to the good old British reserve. You know, stiff upper lip. No, you know, just a good possibly a manly handshake when you know somebody well enough to do so. Well, you know, uh, instead of all this, every motherfucker hugging every fucker every two seconds. Like, you know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll finally kill that off. And that'll be a good thing. Well, someone, some people have more physical needs for uh, physical contact with others do than they? other people do. Hopefully they'll be the very people who all die off in <laughs> droves during this. The kind, the kind of people who can't stand their own company for more than 10 seconds, you know, who need a minimum of three people to be present at any one time in their right. life, otherwise they go into an anxiety attack. You know, so maybe it's evolutionary. 
Right, Sorry, that, okay. that's, that's my cruel part for the day. That's Hopefully fine. nobody dies. Well, <laughs> everyone's really happy to have the old Tom Laird back, I think. <laughs> One of the things we like about you is the fact that you're a bastard. But... Um, <laughs> Well, that's what the chicks but, like. The, but the there is like one me. thing, you know. I, you know, I hate to put out a Scottish Liberty podcast without thinking of one point that I've not heard anywhere else. And the one thing that I have not heard anyone talk about in in the political sphere or in commentary, and and this annoys me because the government has everybody's ear right now so they could tell yep. everyone this right i've not heard anyone talk about natural immunity at all okay. there there are th there are things that we know damage your immune system and there are things we know improve your immune system some of the things you know that damage your immune system are sugar sodas processed foods refined carbohydrates alcohol and cigarettes right do, that's do we know this for a fact well yeah i mean the the the, the, the link these are well established right so okay so the, and and to you can google it don't, don't look up for if you're skeptical look look up on google right now okay. i don't so uh, the the i mean i googled i googled it i said what things are bad for your immune system so the so if i do it you know, you can find a more reliable source than me. Now, if those are the wrong ones, that's no matter, right? The government can just right. go and simply check out what things are bad for your immune system um, and get a list of ones that are confirmed if any of the things on my list are wrong. And they could be telling the whole country, right, don't avoid these things. I mean, they are telling people to avoid smoking, obviously. But apart from that, they're yeah. not saying, well, you know, alcohol damages your immune system. And the, the reason for this is because everything runs on um, taking something in and eliminating it, taking things in and eliminating it. You put petrol in the tank of your car and shit comes out the exhaust fumes, the exhaust pipe, right? The sure. human body's the same. We put things in, we put things out. And the human body is always trying to eliminate everything that it doesn't need. So if you put more things in that uh, don't agree with that, it has to balance eliminating all that crap that it doesn't want with with your immune system, with eliminating bugs and okay. all that stuff. So, you, you know, your sugars, your processed foods, sodas, refined carbs, whatever it is, right? In addition to that, we know that uh, keeping physically active and not being sedentary, taking exercise improves your immune system. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know what vitamins and minerals you need to keep a healthy immune system, but there are people who do know, presumably. You know, there presumably are people okay. who do know what supplements that people might be taking. The government could be taking the opportunity, well, it's got the world's ear to tell people to take care of their immune system so that they're less likely to die of COVID. And the obvious benefits would be in all other areas. You know, people would be getting healthy, healthier, even if they were just taking the advice because they were paranoid. And that's really the one, as libertarians, we're all about personal responsibility. That's, you know, that's some personal responsibility right there. But I've not heard any of the other commentators yeah. say it. Okay. Um, true. But then the government, it seems to me, especially in Scotland, uh, has incessantly been banging on about the evils of alcohol and sugar sure. and uh, smoking. And they've put sin taxes on there to stop you doing it. And it doesn't seem to make a whole load of impact. Um, well, I think I people weren't scared shitless at the time. Like, right, my, oh, mom's, my mom's scared shitless about this virus, right? But she's sitting in the kitchen having a, a glass or two of wine whenever I, whenever I visit. You know, she's not taking her immune system that seriously. I don't know if a, I don't know if a couple of glasses of wine is going to do it. I mean, if you were drinking a couple of bottles of wine a night, it right. might do it. You know, well, I, 
Everyone's um, body's different. I'm really like if I drink yeah. a lot for a couple of for a weekend, yeah, I, I'm going to get a runny nose a couple of days later. You know, I'm just really sensitive. Well, look, so people everyone's are strange as fuck. Okay, yeah. you, you know, I know people who bang on about the evils of fucking sugar. You know, um, yeah. uh, not fucking sugar, uh, the evils of, that was just going to rasp you, but yeah. um, don't, don't do it. I don't recommend fucking sugar. Uh, but the, the evils of sugar and the evils of, oh, what's the red meat and fatty Whatever diets. And yeah. there's all sorts of things that are bad for you. But they smoke. Right. Right. And I think that the fags are going to get them before the red meat does. You know, that, that, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, it, it, it seems to me that, that that's fairly obvious. You know, so everybody's got their own personal yeah. uh, bugbear yeah. that they think. I mean, I, I can't stand smoking. Like, you know, as you know, I don't, I don't like uh, smoking. But it doesn't necessarily mean that smoking's worse for you than a drink, right? So yeah. um, I think there's good evidence to suggest that it probably is, but it doesn't mean to say that because I dislike something intensely that it's necessarily worse for you than the things sure. that I do. So, so, so it, it all seems to be that whatever we do, it all I mean, seems you, you smoke. Yeah, I, I, I like a, I like a ciggy. So, um, okay. so it is interesting though that yeah, what, whatever we do is usually okay, but uh, what other people yeah. do isn't. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's like it's like farts. Everybody else's stinks. Yeah. The only one, the only point I'm making is, if the government really cared to do something uh, positive, they could at least put these messages out. Not at the point of a gun, not with syntaxes or anything like that, but just so people have good information. Should they decide to act on it, on how mm. to keep their immune system in good condition. And obviously for those at home, that's something that you can choose to do if you want to do it. Um, so yeah. anything else? Because I think we're going on an hour. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I don't really... The only thing I'd, I'd like to say there is, uh, you know, keep on your toes. Don't go to sleep with this, uh, this situation because the government needs to be kept and check and everything they yeah. do. There's a, there's a thing at the moment where people have been called uh, COVIDiots, you know, COVIDiots. Mm-hmm. This is anybody who questions the government's narrative or does anything out with the government guidelines, you're suddenly a COVIDiot. Oh, I saw somebody jogging in the park with their partner or something. They're a COVIDiot. They're not thinking they're selfish and they're, they're not taking the government advice. I think we need to question the government. Even especially, like especially in a time like this, the government's actions need to be questioned, and the government's motives need to be questioned. I don't think Boris Johnson's necessarily a uh, a totalitarian or somebody with those mm-hmm. kind of, but he may well pave the way. Mm-hmm. He may well pave the way for somebody else who is, you know. Um, Boris Johnson could lose the next election sure. and could leave a situation in which it's just very easy for somebody who is a, a socialist to come in and just take over from where he left off. After all, there could just be another crisis round the corner, sure. tailor-made, uh, to keep yeah, the emergency and, measures in, in, in place. And so I think it's good that people I mean, the economy could it. crash. The economy could crash like in 2008. Well, the economy I- has crashed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and the economy, yeah. the economy was ready. That, it was always going to crash. The, yeah, the, as, as Pierre Schiff said, the COVID virus is merely the pen that came along and burst the bubble. Right, okay. The bubble was there. The bubble was growing. It's long overdue to be burst. Yeah, the, and and the, the weird the thing is, the economy was a house built on sand. Right, and China was on the verge of a recession before this came along. But the thing is, China's ramping up production while we're ramping down production. Yeah, well, do you want to get into the whole did China do this deliberately thing? Well, I mean, I don't, I, I've not heard the case for it. Is that what you wanted to do? You want okay. to put forth the case? I, well, I I I'm, I'm still looking into it. I don't want to, I don't want to go about this. There's, well, there seems to be a sizable amount of gathering opinion. That well, China let's did this. Uh, Let's whet people's appetite and we'll, we'll revisit yeah. that as another story. Yeah, have a think about that one, folks. Uh, what's your evidence one way or the other? 
uh, would like to hear from you. Leave comments about uh, whether you think the Chinese did this deliberately to ruin the West's economies uh, and, um, and whatever else they may have had up their sleeve. Or is it just complete bunk? But uh, yeah. let us know. Yeah, and please uh, send us your information, your favourite points on COVID-19 that you've heard made. Put it as a comment on YouTube or send it to scottishlibertypodcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time.